Our Father and our God, this afternoon we want to talk about the gospel and how the gospel is really the glue as well as the motivation for us to be faithful and diligent and energetic and excited about what we do for you. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Hasten your coming, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we want to close the back door before there really is a back door, right? So how does that work in an Adventist church? Let me start with a little story. So I was in Sabbath school just a few weeks ago, and the Sabbath school teacher, unfortunately, for whatever reason, was delayed or didn't show up. And so the pastor, no, no, no criticism there, the person teaching the class, said to the class, as I will say to you, so are we Adventists the only ones who will be saved in God's kingdom? Correct answer is? No. But is that the only question? Because the subsequent or the follow-up question is then, why are we here? So being brave a little bit, I said after they went on from that, I said, but then, then, then why are we here? Because the Sunday church tomorrow morning is going to say the very same thing. God is love, we love God, we're all you know, made in his image, he wants us to be his children, we can be eternally saved in his kingdom, therefore, so why are we here? That's what we want to look at today. Why do you want to grow your church as a Seventh-day Adventist? What is unique that holds us together as a people? It's the gospel, but there's some specific aspects. Now, that's a word we don't use very often anymore, right? The truth. But is there truth? And of course there is. So let's look at this, closing the back door. So we started on some of this yesterday. Why do we want people to join our church? Just so we can have a bigger church? You know, just so we can say we have the largest church in town or the medium-sized church in town or whatever it is? No, we we want our church to grow for much better reasons. Do we want to grow our church just to increase our tithe base? Well, that would be nice. More people, more money, we can do more things, we can reach more people, right? It's kind of a cycle that we have. Um, How about this one? Are you tired of all the work? You'd like somebody you could give your duties to so they can do the work, or some of the work, of course. Is that a reason to grow your church? Now think about it. If these were your reasons, How motivating really is that? To share the love of Jesus with someone. How motivating is it? But they're arguments, aren't they? They're losing arguments, that's right. So, we want to talk about building this guest and member-friendly environment. How do we keep people in this church? Why are we excited? Let's look at this. Even this we often don't use in our churches anymore, but we do have in our baptismal vows, and if you were given a baptismal certificate, it's probably printed on there. Baptismal vow number 13. Do you believe that the Seventh-day Adventist church, that the Seventh-day Adventist church is the remnant church of Bible prophecy, referring to Revelation 12, 17? And of course, you know what Revelation 12, 17 says, right? Here are the people who keep the commandments of God and have the 
faith of Jesus or the testimony of Jesus. Yes. Whoops, I'm sorry. I skipped one, didn't I? So do you believe that and that people of every nation, race, and language are invited to accept, to be accepted into this fellowship? And the last part is, do you wish to be a member of this local congregation of the worldwide church? Now, there are several aspects here that are very, very important. Number one, we're not just inviting them to join a local church. Now, our church business, of course, happens on the local church level, right? No one is accepted into membership or disfellowshipped or accepted out of membership other than at the local church, with the small exception of what's called the conference church. It's kind of an aside. The local church is the one element of our denominational organization where the church is built, right? So going back now to the first part of the baptismal vow, it says that this is the church, the remnant church, the, some would say, true church, the church of Bible prophecy. That makes us unique. That makes us unique. And that makes the gospel that we teach quite different than the gospel you're going to find in the church next door on Sunday morning. Very, very different. So that's what we want to kind of look at and unpack a little bit together this morning. So what is the gospel commission? What does it say? Repeat it with me there. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, let me show you something here. I don't know. I guess we can read this. So let's start at the bottom. This is a Barna research study. The question is, do churchgoers, this is generally speaking, recognize the great, the great Commission, among other verses, the Gospel Commission, the Great Commission? Notice, 2% of them said, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. They thought that was the Gospel Commission. The Gospel Commission to 2% to of the people is about money. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Mark 8:34. 5% thought that was the gospel commission. 8% thought, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 8% thought that was the gospel commission. And then 16% thought, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like to it, love your neighbor as yourself. Good commandments, right? but not the Great Commission, that's 16%. So 37%, one in three people walking down the street could even identify the Gospel Commission. Look at that, pretty amazing. Christian people, only one in three could actually identify what the Gospel Commission is. And of course, we're trying to share today that the Gospel Commission, we want 
to inspire you with is more than just a simple, you know, God loves me, I love you, end of story kind of thing. But then here's the real sad part. Not sure if any of those passages are the Great Commission, one-third of people. That's how much people know of their Bible. Would we do better? <laughs> Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, yes. Now look at this one. Now this is churchgoers. Have you heard of the Great uh, Gospel Commission? Look at this, 51% of who? Now this is not Adventist, right? Of course, we can take, kind of pat ourselves on the back. You know, this is not Adventist, but 51% say they have never even heard of the Great Gospel Commission. By the way, you know historically it took us a while, us as an Adventist organization, to get started, to really understand how our mission was to reach the whole world, not just to reach those here in Michigan, actually, New York, and a few places. 25% um, yes, but I can't recall the exact meaning. So 51 plus 25, we're at 76% of people now don't even, couldn't even identify what the Great Commission is. And then 17% said yes, and it is. I could explain to you, I could tell you what the Gospel Commission is. What would happen in your church if you asked people this? Do you think it would be better than this? I hope so. This gospel of the kingdom shall be carried to all the world as a witness. And then the end shall come. Let me share with you a couple of statements from Review and Herald. We are now living in the closing scenes of this world's history. Let men tremble with the sense of responsibility of knowing the truth. What does this mean? Let men and women tremble with a sense of knowing the truth. You see, this is what's different about Seventh-day Adventist Christians and the, the mission, the job that we've accepted. You see, it's not that only Adventists will be saved. But Adventists have been commissioned, assigned, accepted, and assigned a specific job. What is that job? This gospel of the kingdom shall be carried to all the world, and then the end shall come. The three angels' messages. It's our mission. This is what we do. This is what makes us, one of the things that makes us different. So, if you go down and join, I lived in the East for quite a while, in the Congregational Church. Anybody here from the East? Congregational churches are a big thing, right? Each little, or Baptist is the same. When I was a literature evangelist, I would talk to people, Baptists and others, and I would say, so you were on vacation. Did you go to church on vacation? And you know what the answer was? No. How would I know that the church I go to believes what I believe? Now, I know in Adventism that can happen too, but generally speaking, if you are traveling somewhere and you go into an Adventist church, you're going to find a body of believers who've accepted 
baptismal vow number 13, and they are trying to share the Gospel Commission, right? They share your major religious beliefs. And so this statement is saying that we should tremble with a sense of responsibility. As Pastor Bradshaw said last night, approximately 10 million people in this state, what are we going to do? How do we, what are you now, 40,000 in Michigan? I've been gone a long time. I don't remember anymore. 36, thank you. How are we 36,000 people going to reach the 10 million? We should tremble with this responsibility. It's a responsibility. And as we look at church growth in that sense, it kind of changes things. We're no longer about the fellowship dinners that we talked about yesterday, other than using those as an evangelistic vehicle to bring people closer to Jesus to see them ultimately saved in his kingdom, to be able to share this message with them. Continuing, the ends of the world are come. Proper consideration of these things will lead all to make an entire consecration of all that they have and are to their God. Uh, my wife and I have been traveling a little bit. We were at Pennsylvania camp meeting before being here, and we had to drive because she's recovering from multiple myeloma. And so we've been listening to Pathways of the Pioneers. If you've not listened to those recently, I recommend them. Those people knew how to live by faith. You know, the preachers, talking about Ellen White, James White, others, they'd be invited to go and speak. They'd accept the invitation, but they didn't have the first dollar towards paying their way to go and do it. Amazing faith. Ellen White and James White, for quite a number of years, for quite a number of years, lived with other people. They didn't have the finances to even have their own place. Do we tremble? And are we making an entire consecration of all that we have to reach the 10 million people in Michigan? And of course, if we reach those, then of course our mission expands, right? to all of North America and, of course, ultimately the world. The ends of the world are come. The weighty obligation of warning a world of its coming doom is upon us. From every direction, far and near, calls are coming for help. Is that true? Absolutely. Calls to you, calls to me. Not financial only. What can we do? How can we use our talents? What skills do I have that I can use or you can use to impact people for the kingdom? One more. The church devotedly consecrated to the work is to carry the message to the world. Of course, that's your town, your state, our country, and the world. Carry the message to the world. Come to the gospel feast. The supper is prepared. Come. And then she says, crowns, immortal crowns, are to be won. The kingdom of heaven is to be gained. A world perishing in sin is to be enlightened. And then, of course, the lost pearl is to be found. The lost sheep is to be brought back to the safety of the fold. Who will join in the search? Lost sheep, lost pearl, valuable things. By the way, if you study those, uh, those chapters, it's Luke 17, isn't it? There is no 
Sorry? Oh, the lost sheep is Luke 15. Luke 15, thank you. There is no, um, there is no reference to failure. In every case, the lost is found. The pearl is found, the sheep is found, and the woman who had to sweep and clean and find the coins, the coins were found. In every case, the lost is found. So the point is, God seems to promise, promise, assure us of success if we'll engage in the Gospel Commission. We have to understand it, enough to be excited about it, for it to motivate us, to move us from where we are to where we need to be. I had my friends here yesterday, some of you that were here from the Methodist Church, and I know nothing about that congregation other than what they have told me. Their church is in decline. This is the large church in downtown Lansing, if any of you are from Lansing. Um, their church is dwindling. For example, the Carolyn, she likes to sing in the choir. And uh, she was talking about how the choir stays on the platform during the, the sermon, the presentation. And I said, from the way you've described your church, are you saying there are more people on the platform, perhaps sometimes, than there are actually in the congregation? And she said, yes. We're talking about the big Methodist church in downtown Lansing, not very far from our conference office. Now, that can happen to our church. And to be truthful with you, from talking to her, they have no clue how to turn that around. Not a clue. If you were in charge of the Methodist Church, what would you do to build attendance at the Methodist Church? You're just competing with the churches up and down the street, right? But we have a message to tell to the nations. We have something special and unique to share with them. There's a reason for people to come and be part of your congregation. Things are happening there. Your church is following the word of God, right? So you have something you can point to and say, here's the reason you should come and be part of our church instead of part of their church. I'm not trying to pit churches together, but I'm trying to help us understand we have a precious treasure. We have a precious treasure. We've accepted that, perhaps. If we have, then we have a responsibility to those around us to do whatever we can to invest our time, energy, and talents to help to advance that, that commission because only then, we heard so eloquently last night the sermon about the soon coming of Jesus, only then can Jesus come, right? He's waiting for somebody else to respond. Maybe it's one of us here today. He's waiting for somebody else to respond. Otherwise, he would come, right? If there was no more work to be done, he would come. That's clear. And we've been told that, that he didn't come sooner for those reasons. The lost pearl can be found. It needs to be found. The lost sheep needs to be brought back to the fold. And who will join? Who of us will join in that effort? Who will bear to the, the light to those who are wandering in the darkness of error? As a people, we greatly need to humble our hearts. 
before God, pleading for his forgiveness for our neglect to fulfill the gospel commission. Pastor Bradshaw isn't here, so I'll tell one of his little things that you'll probably hear in one of his sermons. I don't remember his quote exactly, but he said, someone said to him recently, how much do you have to not love someone to not share with them what you know? You believe, based on what we've looked at here this morning, you believe that you have the message of salvation, not just enough to get people in, but to prepare them to live for eternity in heaven, right? We don't want to just slip in the door. We want to stand tall when we get there. We want to be, in every way we can, God's matured children as much as we can. And so how much do you have to not love someone to not tell them? to not share with them. You'll probably hear him preach it, and he'll do better than I just did. But it's an interesting thought. We don't usually think of it that way. We're we're so involved in our own things. We need to plead God's forgiveness for our neglect to fulfill the gospel commission. We have made large centers in a few places, leaving unworked many important cities. Let us now take up the work appointed us and proclaim the message. We have a message to tell to the nations, right? We used to sing it frequently. We have a message to tell to the nations that will turn their hearts to the right. We need to be about God's work. Let us take up the work appointed us and proclaim the message. That is to arouse men and women to a sense of their danger. Now, if every Seventh-day Adventist had done the work laid upon him, the number of believers would be much larger than it now is, or than it is. Is that true? Is that true? May God help us. That's our petition this afternoon. May we get the vision of what God wants to do through a group of people who are submitted and committed 100% to him, whatever it may be. So if we who are here today were a church, a congregation, if we, those of us who are here today, if we focused on this mission, This was the thing that motivated us, the thing that brings us together on Sabbath morning to discuss, to pray, to find ways to accomplish this gospel mission. What could we do? Could we be twice this many by next year? So this is the challenge. Can you take this home? Can you take this this enthusiasm that you're experiencing here at Michigan Camp Meeting, and take that home and be perhaps a committee of one to start a revival in your local church, to start redirecting, if that needs to be, redirecting the energies of your local church to where you focus on the thing that's important, the thing that will ultimately make the great difference. Why are we here? To share a message 
Obviously, we need to understand the message to be able to share it. No one is disagreeing with that. But we don't exist for the purpose of fellowship. We don't exist for the purpose of recreation. We don't exist for the purpose of entertainment. We exist to prepare people to seek and to save that which was lost, to find that pearl of great price, to find that sheep that has wandered away. Yes, sister. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to talk to your husband. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We've been married about 100 years, and he's not an Adventist. He is not an Adventist. Praise the Lord. He's a hairstylist. He's gone to some evangelistic meetings, but okay. he just doesn't want to surrender for whatever reason. So yes. Three, four years ago, he gave one of his clients a great controversy. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday, yesterday, she came in. She's about 80 years old. She's married to a doctor who is a little older than her. And she told him, she said, a few weeks ago, she said, this great controversy just appeared. I, I said, did you get this out of the book, please? And he said, no. And she said, I read it. Amen. And she went to church at Central Church downtown in Grand Rapids. She wasn't crazy about it, so she... They looked up Kentwood Church. Well, it's closed down because of some kind of problems. Whoa. But she she asked him, she said, I'm going to read it again. Could you get me more of those books? Because I want to give one to my daughter, and I want to give one to a friend. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Then, so that was one thing. Then today, I worked at the, I, I work, I volunteer at the mobile kitchen as a cashier. Yeah, that's work. <laughs> and um, there was a young man who came through yesterday, and I don't know, I just asked him where I was from, and he said Tennessee. He came up here because he saw the speakers list and wanted to come. A really young man. Today I said, well, how you doing, Zach, you know, and stuff, and he said, doing well. And he said, you know, we talked a little bit, and he said that. There was, he ran into another young man here who is searching for Bible truth, and he's giving him Bible studies here. Amen. From Tennessee, just happened upon yeah. it. Yeah. And he said, if he, he said he's from Grand Rapids, but he's traveling. He said, but if he comes to your church, he's got tattoos all over his neck. Be nice to him. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's what we've been talking about here this week, by the way. Uh, let me recap her story so far. First story was her husband, who is not a committed Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Obviously, God's doing something in his life, but he gave a book to a woman, a great controversy book to a woman. She, of course, didn't read it apparently at the time, but then sometime later, if I understood, she finds the book laying out. No one she can't understand how it got there, but she read it. She likes it. She wants more of those books to share with friends and family after attending an Adventist church or two and sorted experiences there. Now we're talking about a person here at camp meeting that came here just because God brought them here and they're finding a Bible study here. Let me tell you a story that I picked up over at the booth. This lady, this is several years ago, quite a number of years ago, this lady worked as a nurse and she worked with another nurse lady who was married to a, an Adventist pastor. So that pastor gentleman got assigned and moved. That happens once in a while, right? Um, 
And so the nurse wife was having to say goodbye to her friends. And somehow in that whole process, she said some things that this nurse friend was kind of impressed with in a positive way. But of course, she knew nothing about anything. And time passed. One day after work, she went home. She flipped on the TV and she saw it is written. And she responded for the offer. This is in 1988, George Vandeman's program. She responded to the offer and asked for Bible studies. Somebody came and did Bible studies with her. And when they came, she said the way it happened, they came and the husband was in the backyard doing whatever. And there was two people who came. It's a good idea, by the way. We talked about that yesterday. It goes two by two as you can. Um, so the two people came, and they were talking to the husband, and she came home. And so they introduced themselves to her and told her why they were there. And she said, I have one question for you. What church are you with? How do you answer the question? The training is, of course, you, don't, you try not to tell, right? But she said... They told her, of course, they were with the Adventist church. She said, that's great. That's the only church I want to study with. And so she studied and became a Seventh-day Adventist uh, Christian. She's still happily doing that. I think it took her husband 12 years or something, she told me, if I remember correctly. So have patience. Have patience. The point is, if we really did accept baptismal vow number 13, and if we really are excited about the Gospel Commission, that we have a story to tell to the nations, if we get focused on that as a church, our board meetings will begin to transition, as we talked about a little bit yesterday. Our whole church's focus, we won't be so focused on what people look like, talking about the gentleman coming to church new. We won't be focused on some little thing people say, on whether they bring the fish dish or not. You know, we can, we can get over those things because it's people that we're about, right? It's people that we're about. And so we, we've got to learn to get along. They'll know we are Christians by our love. And where our love gets tested is where? In our family and in our church. There are people in the church that are just difficult to live with, or I mean that in the sense of dealing with, right? Maybe God put them there so we can learn to love, learn to be patient, learn to be tolerant, learn to focus on one thing. An amazing thing. So let's move on here. Um, you're all familiar, I think, in Michigan with the evangelism cycle, right? Very, very important that you understand that evangelism is not an event. It's a cycle. It's something that we as churches should be just doing consistently. Yes, we do events. That's part of the cycle. But we're moving continuously towards an objective, and that is building our church congregation. So first we prepare the soil. That can be many, many things. I think there's some things in your notes for that. You know, there are all kinds of events you can do, smoking cessation events, depression seminars, uh, stress seminars, all kinds of things. And let me say something here. When we do, let's say the pastor does those things. Um, do we come out and support? 
Why is it important for us to come out and support? I don't need to stop smoking. I mean, maybe I didn't need to tell you that, but we come because we need to get acquainted with those people, right? Pastor can't, can't befriend all of them, but we can. So we come so we can get acquainted with these people that are coming. And then when the next thing is happening, we call up our friend, say, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. We've got this going on at church. Scott Michael Bennett is coming to sing or whatever it is. Would you like to come? Hey, I can even come pick you up. We can go together. It's your friend now. And so they come to the concert. And then there's the cooking school. So you bring them or you meet them at the cooking school. And your relationship is building. Then at some point, somebody says to them, hey, do you ever think, would you want to study the Bible? And they will say, I've been waiting for you to ask. What took you so long? Maybe. <laughs> but that's preparing the soil. Sowing the seed, that's easy for a lot of us. You know, we, we don't mind telling people where they should start and stop. But, but we do need to sow the seed at some point. We need to share, and there are many ways we can do that. Share with them, watch it is written, television. A lady was just at the booth before I came here, and she said, what, <laughs> interesting person that she would ask this of, she said, what media can I recommend to my family friends who are just starting to learn about God? And I said, well, you've come to the right place, because that's what it is written is all about. We're not Adventist television. I need to make that clear. This is television designed to help people along the way to give them the information, to draw them in, and then little by little they'll learn what they need to learn and ultimately knock on your door if you haven't gotten to them first, shame on you. Uh, so we sow the seed, and then of course we cultivate. And this is all part of that friendship thing, part of the more meetings, part of the bringing them back. Of course, we all want to harvest, right? It's all about the harvest. We do meetings, we always want to know what's the number at the end, right? The number. Well, and then, of course, we preserve the harvest, the evangelism cycle. So once we've gone through the cycle, here it's all broken out more. I think some of that's in your notes uh, if you have those. David Hartman uh, has a book out you could find, Winning Ways to Witness. And on page 64, it has these methods of, of uh, talking to people or dealing with people or witnessing. And interesting, he lists first intercession. Intercession. What does that mean? Ellen White talks about, and maybe you've heard this, where she sat down and made a list of people she knew that needed to find God. And she prayed over that list of people. And if I remember the story correctly, maybe I don't, maybe you'll help me. Every one of those people on her list became Christians. What do you say? Could that work for you? We're talking about intercession. You see, how can you speak? How can you speak badly of me if you're praying for me? See how that works? Right from the beginning, if we're interceding for an individual, it's very difficult for us to be to be negative about them. Am I right? Think of your kids, your grandkids, your family, friends, whatever. 
if you're really praying, I mean, not just saying, you know, God, take care of Billy. But if you're really praying for somebody, if you're really praying for somebody, if you're really concerned for somebody, spiritually speaking, how can you, how can you criticize them? How can you be hard on them? So you can see why this step is at the foundation, one of the first ones. Then, of course, the second would be friendship. So now I've prayed for, you said Billy, so let's use Billy. I've prayed for Billy. And so now God may open that door for me to express my friendship. Maybe we talked yesterday here about sending little notes or email or telephone or computer message, whatever God may lead you to do. We talked yesterday about pencil, handwritten notes, and how powerful they can be because nobody gets them anymore. And so it really says a lot that you thought about someone enough to sit down and actually write them something and then put a postage stamp on it and get it off to them. How many of you have just sent a note to somebody in the last while for no reason at all? Not for a birthday, not a graduation, just for no reason at all. You just sent a note because you cared. Now, some of us, if we added emails, that might change. There might be more. If we added text messages, it might be more. But we don't think about These are all acts of friendship, how we can build bonds with people, grow people. And then, of course, service. We're familiar with this. We talk a lot about this sometimes in our churches, things we can do for the community, community services, and so on. And then testimony. This one we Adventists don't tend to be strong on. Just talking about what God has done for us. I mentioned I was a literature evangelist for many years, and I found it interesting because you'd meet these Christian folk, and they did not hesitate to tell you about their church, about the activities at their church, about their prayer life, about their books they're reading about the Bible. didn't hesitate. But if we meet Adventist people, we tend to be, I don't know why, we tend to be shy about those things, very shy about saying to a, so to speak, a total stranger, well, I was praying about, why not? Why not? I was, I was talking to God about, why not? Why not? When I became a Christian 30 years ago, you don't have to say Seventh-day Adventist. When I became a Christian, I was so excited that God's word was trustworthy. Well, they can, they can throw that in the trash and ignore it, or they can say, what are you talking about? Never met anybody who talks that way. Okay, you've opened a conversation. Testimony, saying something about God, something that would lead the conversation in a spiritual direction. And then, of course, invitation. And, of course, you can apply this in many, many different ways. Invitation to meetings, invitation to an event, invitation to start Bible studies, but an invitation. And then, of course, conversation where we're in dialogue uh, with them and, and proclamation is what we usually think of evangelism. Now, isn't it interesting, all these steps, and if I were to say in the normal, the usual Adventist church, we're going to talk today about evangelism, which of these would they, we think of? Which would we... Automatically proclamation, right? But look at all the steps that could and should go as preparation for that proclamation. Lots of good things and good things, things we can all do, things we can all do. Some of us might not be so good at this, but we can do this. We can just say, I read this 
or I was blessed by that, or here's that book. My wife, I just said, has been dealing with multiple myeloma. So, of course, a lot of nurses, doctors too, but so she's been having a lot of fun passing out the great controversy and ministry of healing. Those seem to be her two favorites. But she likes telling these ladies that this book was written by a woman. <laughs> Why not? Seems to make a difference. I don't think she's had anyone refuse the book. Amazing stuff. Yes. I didn't come into the church because of proclamation. I didn't come into the church because uh, uh, someone invited me to, uh, to a Bible study. Not? I didn't come in because of the 27 tenets that we have. Okay. I came in because someone loved me. <laughs> I came in because someone, uh, when I'm going through a divorce, gave me mango shakes and ginger tea, <laughs> cried with me, and laughed with me, mm -hmm. and prayed with me. Wow. And then kept asking me to go to church, and I kept telling him no. <laughs> Finally, one day I said, maybe. Amen. And then I said, but if I go to your church, since she was Hispanic, I said, Mamacita, I said, if I go to your church, Mamacita, I said, my Spanish is terrible. I'm going to interpret for Wonderful. Yeah, but I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. I'm going to be whiter than everybody, and I'm going to be taller. A foot taller. It doesn't matter. Everybody's going to love you. Amen. And that happened. And finally, one day I went, and I was right, and she was right. Okay. And, it, and I did become a member for about six years. That's all right. So it, it doesn't Thank happen you. overnight. Thank you. It doesn't happen because you're going to impress them with... I've got truth and you don't. That's right. Well, until you show that you have love, how do I know that your truth has love unless you have love? Amen. If you don't demonstrate love. Thank I you. I don't trust you about your truth, quite frankly. You see, he's ready to proclaim. <laughs> but also he's sharing his testimony of what God has done for him and how God led him. And every one of us here could share our story. But he's exactly right on. And this is what we're talking about in this, through the week in this particular seminar is how to love people unconditionally. Whether they mess up, whether they agree with us, whether they look like us, whether they behave like us, we can still love them and say, God loves you. God's working with you. Don't give up on us. Keep coming back. Keep coming around. Keep giving us another chance. And that's right. Yes. Sister. So another day we talked a fair amount about that here and how much people have left when they come here usually. I mean, there's some people that didn't leave anything. They just came. Right. Exactly. And so we talked about how important it is for us to become that new family. You're exactly right. Uh, but today we're talking about the Gospel Commission and how to, how to share that, how to be so excited, so enamored, so sold out to that, that it motivates us to want to see people come into our congregation. And then if we really see that all that the church is about is sharing this message, getting to people's hearts, that God is preparing a kingdom for them and he's coming soon. 
then the little irritations in our churches become less important, right? Because it's about people. How can we bring another person? How can we get another person? In spite of our warts and our blindness and our whatever. Yes. Yes. Remember that other people can be loving too, though. In fact, I've met some very loving, absolutely non-Christian people. So for the recording, the story is of a lady who witnessed to her neighbor, even though there were all kinds of objections and obstacles and dog bites and things. <laughs> but God prevailed because she continued to reach out in love. And we can do that, right? This much we can do. So let's look at just a few of the outreach activities. Of course, we're all familiar with Adventist Community Services. Many of our churches have something like that. There's health ministries that you can do to get acquainted with people. You know, dinner with the doctor, depression, recovery, diabetes undone, vegetarian cooking schools. Uh, it is written, of course, has the mailer. You can mail out for Bible study interests as a way to get people. Um, some of the ladies in Michigan might do quilting classes as a way to connect with people. Anybody still quilt here? Yeah. A few, yeah, see, yeah. Uh, homeschooling, that's a fertile field. Young families, get, get the homeschoolers together, do activities with them, stamp collecting, something that's not, again, quite so popular recently. Okay. Cancer patients, sure, yeah. This is the conference community services director, in case you don't know. So all your churches can follow her suggestions. Uh, how about auto repair for the guys? You know, we men, we don't do so many things sometimes, more the men-type uh, help activities. But there are things like this we could do. Today, of course, there's so many laws, we have to be kind of careful because you've got all those issues to work around. But if we can find ways to do it. I know one fellow down here at Grand Rapids, um, a friend of mine, he can't, he loves repairing cars, but he can't repair anyone's car in his yard but his own. The township or association or whatever came down on him. So if he's going to help anybody fix their car, he has to go to their place to fix it or some other place, not his own house. Go figure. So anyway, we have to figure out ways to work around these things and, and show people that we care. This I thought was really neat. How about the new member Sabbath school class? Some churches still do that. Some of the smaller churches probably not. Adventurers, Pathfinders. Of course, that's a, a great way because you can bring in people who aren't necessarily part of the church. Young adult ministry, women's ministries, men's ministries, singles ministries, and on and on you can go. Um, these are all activities that help to get you acquainted with people in the church. Now, here's some things that you can do. How about a monthly guest Sabbath? So every month, whatever month, whatever week of the month you choose, of course, this is the Sabbath that if you don't do a potluck every week, you would do your fellowship meal that Sabbath. But it's a, a friendship Sabbath or a guest Sabbath. And so you invite people in, you have special, special music, and you have special, special sermon, and you have special, special things, and maybe you give away some gifts or whatever you do to make it a special Sabbath. Maybe everybody wears name tags that day. 
so that the guests are not different than the members in the sense of feeling like it's a special Sabbath. It's a, it's a celebration Sabbath, if you please. Um, another one here is a name tag Sabbath. The idea with this one, as I understand it, was so that we would know each other's names. But it can be used on the guest Sabbath as well. We need to wrap it up here. Uh, members training on how to meet people and start conversations. We talked about it here yesterday, so just so you have it again, we have to be very careful what we say to people who are new, right? Because the wrong things said, pointing out negatives, criticizing, whatever. So use careful conversation with these new people. Thank you folks for coming today. I'm sorry Pastor Bradshaw didn't make it. Um, maybe tomorrow. Uh, he told me specifically by email, not today, but yesterday that he would according to his schedule. So I'm sorry. Um, he's the one who said he would come. So uh, it's not on me, right? <laughs> Let us pray. Father God, we do have a powerful commission. Lord, we've thought some very sobering thoughts today that we have within our hands the obligation as well as the responsibility to share what we have with those who don't have the treasure yet. Lord, bless us as we go from this place. Bless in this camp encampment, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.